Amen. That brings us to our series that we've been looking at, which is Life Hacks. Um, We've been going through the book of Proverbs and looking at uh, things, principles that uh, God has put into our life that make life better. That when we begin to activate these principles in our life, uh, we begin to activate God's blessings. Um, uh, it, it is just a principle, it is just a truth that, that when we begin uh, to uh, walk in these ways, um, there are going to be um, uh, a connection to the flow of God. And it doesn't mean that everything then goes right for you, but it means that because of that, we can make it through anything. Because God brings us through, and that sometimes is the blessing that God gives us, is the strength and endurance to walk through something that, that otherwise it would crush us. And uh, so as we begin to uh, uh, put these principles into practice in our life, we begin to see God move in our life. And uh, so it, it is very practical, and uh, we see this because of the world we live in. Ephesians chapter 5 tells us that we are to look carefully how we are to walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. We need to make the best use of the time because the days are evil. And, and that is absolutely true. We live in a time that, that if we do not begin to live wise, we find ourselves lost. We find ourselves in the middle of chaos, of, of disenchantment with life, discouragement, Uh, feelings of stress, of nothing really matters, and yet that's not what God wants. He wants us to live wise um, to where even though we live in a world that is wicked and has turned away and is broken and is searching, we can still not only uh, uh, find contentment in our own life, but we can be a light to others. We can make a difference to others. And so that is what God wants in our life. And so in the book of Proverbs, as well as others, he has given us very practical things. Um, We looked at, first of all, the very first life hack is to begin to live a life based on the fear of God. That as we begin to fear God, um, and that fear is not a a frightening thing, but it is a deep fear. awe and respect, but even more than that, a passion for God, a love for God. When we realize how great God is, that 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 becomes our motivation. And that fear of God, which is just of, man, God, you are just so beautiful, it takes my breath away. That's what the fear of God is. That God, you are so good. Um, How can I not live in such a way? When we live out of the fear of God, We begin to make choices that lead us in the path that God would have us and and therefore life becomes easier. Life becomes um, uh, something that is more fulfilling. We also looked at when we begin to control our speech, um, uh, how how we begin to talk to one another, how we begin to encourage one another, that we have the power of life and death in our tongue. And this is one thing that many times, it's a very practical thing, but we just don't think about it. And so we, we, we let our speech become something that is untamed. Uh, in the book of James, it says our, our tongue is like a, a small spark, but that spark in the wrong place sets a whole forest on fire. And, and so God tells us if we will begin to take control of how we are talking, how we are speaking to one another, how we're speaking to ourselves, um, that we can begin to speak life. 
uh, into our own life, into other people's life. And, and so we begin to um, uh, uh, consciously make a choice of speaking uh, the words that God has given us, uh, that we begin to, uh, begin to believe uh, what God has said and not what we want to say. We don't speak out of emotion. We don't speak out of those feelings that come, and many times we want to, but instead we begin to say, uh, God, uh, begin to be that, that uh, discipline in my life that I will speak uh, your words of life. Um, and then we looked at, at how we work, that God has called us. If we want to make life um, uh, something that is a blessing, um, we do have to work at it, and we have to work with the right understanding um, that work is not meant to be labor, but work is meant to be fulfilling. And, and work is not just the job you go to, but it's also working um, in, at everything you do. It says, with everything you do, do it unto the Lord. And when we begin to embrace that in life, whether it is schoolwork, uh, whether it is uh, 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 our employment, um, whether it is our relationships. How many know we need to work at our relationships? But when we begin to say, I'm going to work at this. I'm not going to be lazy. Uh, I'm not going to just sit back and just take whatever I want. When we begin to understand that I am going to work, I am going to uh, put in the time and think about how I'm doing things, that God blesses that, that God honors uh, not hard work, but holy work. Um, when we work holy, and holy is, is different from others. We're not working just to make money, but we are working to make a difference um, in our life, um, in, our, in our family's life, in our neighborhood's life. But we work, uh, and finding that work ethic is something that can change our life. Um, because uh, th there's times that God knows that if we do not build that, if we, if we just continue to uh, uh, repeat the laziness, that our life is going to deteriorate. Um, and so God does not want us to have that, but he wants us to have life that comes from hard work. Um, last week, we looked at the fourth thing, which is how we use our money, that we are to be good stewards, that if we learn to steward what God has given us, um, that it makes a difference. We know that a lot of our problems in life are because of money. And it's not because of money's fault, it's because of our fault, how we use money, because we use money to consume it. Oh, what, look, if I could get $500, I could, I could get this. If I could get the next $1,000, I could get this. It's all for me. What can I do for me? How can I spend it? And we talked about that. We need to stop living spent and start living sent. In other words, God has given me this to send me into the world to make a difference. Everything I'm given is to bless this world, bless this, our families, bless our neighborhoods. Uh, and we begin to learn to use our money in a wise fashion. Um, that, uh, uh, that is just as spiritual uh, to learn how to save, to learn how to budget, uh, to learn how to make wise use of our money uh, because that honors God. And we do it so that God can be blessed in other people's lives. And uh, so um, we see that how we use our money makes a difference in life. Um, uh, there is, there is no super spirituality in being poor. It doesn't mean that we're never going to be poor and we're not going to go through times of poverty because we do that as we follow God. But that's not God's heart to, to, to leave us in a place of poverty. And poverty is not how much you have. It is 
how we see what we have. Uh, Poverty is not the amount of dollars in your bank account, but it's the amount of Christ in our heart. Uh, Because we we can live very small and still have the joy of the Lord. So we are not saying that you need to be rich to bless God, but we're saying you also don't need to be poor to bless God. No matter what we have, we realize that I use what I have to bless God. And I will rejoice in whatever state I am. That's what Paul said. He said, I've learned to be content when I'm poor. Paul said, I can be content. When I've been rich, he said, I can be content um, because I know that I can do all things through Christ. So it is learning that contentment. Today, we're gonna come to another area and it seems like it's gonna talk about what we talked about last week, but there's gonna be difference and we'll, we'll talk about that. It is in Proverbs 11 is our verse today. Proverbs 11, starting in verse 24. And here's the principle. It says that one person gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another person withholds what he should give, and yet they only suffer want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. This is one of those principles that the world doesn't understand because it doesn't make sense. You see that first verse, it says, the person who gives freely seems to be enriched. They seem to have all that they need. Even though they're giving away, that doesn't make sense. And yet the person who holds on to things, who earns their money and holds it and saves it, it says that they will only suffer want. Um, So there is this idea, this principle of generosity. So today we're gonna talk about generosity. You wanna make your life better? You wanna make your life uh, full of contentment and happiness, of blessedness? We need to learn the principle of generosity. Um, We need to understand that we give to live. You wanna live life? You wanna live People love to use this term, your best life now, which is absolutely a a, a lie. I'm just going to tell you right now, you will never live your best life now and praise God for it. Our best life is yet to come. There are riches that God has stored up for people you don't understand. I tell the teenagers, you think that you're looking forward to great things, and that's good because God wants you to enjoy this life. But even then, you need to understand you are not going to have your best life now. There's a best life coming that God has an inheritance laid up for us in the new heavens and the new earth where we are going to walk this earth the way it was meant to be. We are to live a life that is so full of beauty and joy that this life, you are gonna forget it. So I'm gonna just gonna say that right now. Um, uh, uh, This is not your best life now, but if you want to make the most of this life, here's how you do it. You give. Now, we're not only very small are we talking about money. In fact, the majority of what I'm talking about today is not going to be money. I'm talking about a heart that's generous. We need to begin to develop. What we are missing are not people who give away their money. We are missing people who give away their life. This world is going to be changed not by money. This world is going to be changed by people who are generous in in their heart, in their compassion, in their love, in their kindness, in their ability to be there for others. 
This is what generosity is. This is what God is looking for. And this is what God honors. This is what God, you want, to, you want God to bless your life? Begin to be a generous person. What does it look like? It is about being generous in these three areas. In your time, in your talents, and in your treasure. When you begin to be generous in your time, that means my time is just not me. And how many? No, we live for ourselves. We treasure our time. That weekend is mine. This is when I do things. You know what? We need to have a heart of generosity that says if, if I have to give up some time, I'm willing to because there is a sense of generosity. Um, there is a sense that, that I want to give of my time, um, that there becomes pleasure in that. Um, and we have to break free of the old ways because remember, we live in a sinful body. And so until God really changes us, until God renews our heart and mind, we do find pleasure in spending time for ourselves. I mean, let's be honest. It is pleasurable. Um, there is a sense of happiness, but it is a small shadow of what it's like when you begin to give yourself to others. When you begin, see, and we can't understand that until God changes us. Um, but all I can do is I can just tell you that, that there is a promise of a joy that you don't understand until you begin to give it away. And God begins to do that. But not only your time, but your talents. That God has given you abilities. Sometimes your only ability is hard work, like we talked about. Maybe you're not the most skilled person, but I, I don't believe that. I believe everyone has a skill. I believe that everyone has an ability that you can give to God that God wants to use that you can use for other people, um, whether it's mowing the lawn or whether it is uh, crocheting a blanket. I, I know my grandmother, you know what? She, wasn't, she was just a typical grandma. She was not educated. I don't even know if she finished high school. I don't think she ever graduated high school. Um, uh, my grandma uh, didn't. Um, but I'm gonna tell you, you know what one thing she did? She crocheted. And there are uh, uh, many people um, uh, now, I know later in days, her, her, her blankets got smaller and smaller to where people, they were more like napkins and were like, oh, gosh, Grandma. She'd give it to someone. I'm like, what are they going to use that for? Maybe a pot holder or something. But, but you know, when she was in, in, but even then, even when she diminished, her heart was generosity, that, that it was a blessing. And there are people that have come up to us today that still have that blanket that my grandma Bless them with. And, and so whatever talent you have, are you willing to be generous with it? Not for yourself. Not what, how can I make money off of my talent? You know what? Today, young people can do things that we never could do with all the internet. And, but think about how can I use that for someone else? Your skill and, and, and all these things, how can I use that to bless someone else through social media, through all the different areas? Um, and then if we're older, you know, sometimes we think, well, I don't have those skills. But you know what? You have other skills of, of encouragement and prayer and, and, and ways that you can use those things for God. Whatever it is, um, it, it makes a difference. And, and so we need to be generous in our talent. What can you do for the church? What can you do for the community? Don't just do it for the church. There's things in the community. I don't want you only to be here. Now, I want you to work for the church. That's what we're here for. But you know what? Around us, at the schools. Do you volunteer at the schools? All different, there are so many ways that we can use our talents. And then, of course, our treasure. 
I mean, we think of this most of all, but it's the third and it's the final. God has blessed you with things. And it's not just money. Maybe it's things that you have. Maybe, you know, you have a, a, a car that someone doesn't have. You can give a ride. There, there's many treasures that you have that you can bless people with. And are we generous with our things, um, with what we have, and with our money? And yes, it is money too, but, but uh, it's not just money. Are we generous with our money? Do we realize that, you know what, I'm, I'm supported by God, not my money. If I was to give away all my money, I believe God would support me. You know, he told the rich young ruler, he said, give everything you have to the poor, come and follow me. You know what, he was not afraid that that rich young ruler would become homeless and destitute and, and poor in life because he knew that if he gave it away, God would supply. And so there's this understanding of generosity in our time, talent, and then lastly, in our treasure. So as we become generous in these things, as we give, we will find that we will never want. God will know what we need. Now, we might have a lower quality of life than other people, but that's okay. It's, it will be deeper. You know, we don't measure our life by how many places we go and just because other people can do this and we don't get to do this or other people have this, those are good. Everyone is different. And, and, and we might wonder, how does God decide who to give what? That's up to God. And I don't know why he does it, but we just need to be satisfied with how God treats me. And we will rejoice with one another and um, begin to understand that. But the first thing, if we're gonna be generous in all of these things, I think it's important. Who do we become generous to, okay? So what is God looking for us? What is the focus of our generosity? The first focus is we are called to be generous to the Lord. If you are gonna be generous to anyone, who deserves it more than our God? And I think we need to stop and ask ourselves. You know, we think about receiving salvation from God, we think of him forgiving our sins, but we rarely think of what do I offer him? What am I giving to God? Sometimes we think that we're doing God a favor because we believe in him. Well, God, I believe in you, and, and, and I'm gonna just be a good person. Is being a good person, are you somehow, you know, I, that does bless God. I mean, he's happy to see his kids living right, but do we really Understand what God deserves for what he's done for us? Are we generous to the Lord? And I mean generous, not, not just this is what I need to give. Um, this is what I need to do for God. Out of an understanding of who he is, are we generous to God with our time, with our talent, with our treasure? Or does he just get what's left over? Throughout the Bible, God says, all you're giving me is your leftovers. How do you think that makes me feel? Out of all the people in your life, who is more important? Who is the one that holds your whole life? Who is walking with you when no one else is there? Even the closest person that loves you, your mother, your father, your grandmother, your spouse, I'm gonna tell you, no one loves you like God. And he's there when those people cannot be there. I'm gonna tell you, he has wept over you when you've been sick, when you've been out of your mind, delirious in fever or in pain. Do you know that God was right there just praying over you? God, getting you through it. And yet we are not generous to God. We need to be generous with the Lord, with our time. How much time does God get from you? 
Not just in church, but out of church, both. With our talents, how much do you work for God? You do a whole lot of work for your family and a whole lot of work for yourself and a whole lot of work for your recreational things, but how much talent do you work for God? And then treasure. What do we have that we're giving to God? Is it with a trust in God that I just want to bless the kingdom of God? I want to bless what God is doing. We need to be generous with the Lord. Proverbs, again, we've looked through Proverbs. Here's what Proverbs tells us. Honor the Lord with your wealth. And that's not just money because we are wealthy in other ways. If you don't have any money, you are wealthy. You are wealthy in time and talent and ability. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. And look at this. This is a promise. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. You need to understand when you are generous to the Lord, the Lord will take care of you. You may not be the richest person. No, you're not going to get everything you want like a spoiled kid, but you're going to have everything you need and you will be secure. See, God will give you security. God will give you a foundation, which is better than those spoiled kids that get everything they want because there are people that are spoiled that don't know what it is to be loved. There are people that are spoiled. They get all these things in life. They're rich, but they don't know what it is to be disciplined and to have the, the ability to do things that God wants to give you. So God promises you that you will have plenty, that you will be blessed, that your vats will be bursting with wine. And wine is always a symbol of life in the Bible, of joy, of, of the good things in life. God wants you to be overflowing if you will honor him with your first fruits, not the leftovers. But when we become generous with God, God is generous with us. That's a promise. It's a, it, is a, it is a one that you can take to the bank and, and test him. In Malachi, he says, test me and see if I will not pour out from my windows of heaven on you when you begin to put me first and are not afraid to give or don't give out of obligation. Well, I guess I have to give my tithe, but you give generously. How would you not want to give to God? Because I know God will take care of me. And as you do that, generosity changes your life. But not only to the Lord, that's the first thing, but we need to be generous to those in need. We need to begin to see others and be moved with generosity. But not just money, I'm talking about time. I, I think the biggest thing in all of these areas is our time. I think the time is where we are most stingy and we're most selfish. We hold our time to ourselves more than any other things. And, and so today, if anything, I, I, I want you to become generous in your attention. Do you give attention to people? Because that's what takes time. When you're giving time, you're giving attention. Do we give attention to those in need? It, I, I know that we can't always give money to everyone, but you can give attention. Sometimes that's all they want. Have you ever been in need and you just wish someone was there with you? Just some, you know what, I know you maybe not be able to meet my need, but walk with me, encourage me when I'm dealing with anxiety and fear of what's gonna happen and yet someone just comes along and says, it's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay. And no matter what happens, we're gonna be here together. You know what, that is worth it. Are we generous with our time to those who are in need? And then when we can help, then we do. We use our talents. 
We use our treasure and we are generous to those in need. We help them. Um, we begin to look after them. And of course, there are tons of scriptures in this area. The whole Bible talks about this. Jesus talked about this, that the very commandments, uh, the top commandments is love the Lord your God with all your heart, which is what we talked about. Be generous to the Lord. And what's the second one? Just like the first, love your neighbor as yourself. Proverbs puts it this way. Proverbs 14. Whoever despises his neighbor is a sinner. Now, who's your neighbor? Jesus said your neighbor is anyone that's around you in need. Remember, he said the Samaritan coming down the road, that was his neighbor when he saw the person in need. Anyone who despises his neighbor is a sinner. And that word despise does not mean hate. It doesn't mean, and because you might say, well, I don't hate my neighbor. I don't hate people around me. But you despise them. Despise means to pass by. Remember when the, the, the person was, was laying in that road and the Samaritan came, he helped him, but remember the priest came by and went on the other side, walked by. The Levite came by, they were busy. They had to get to church. They despised him. To despise them means to choose something else rather than them, to not give them time. So he says anyone who despises his neighbor is a sinner. There's a sermon right there, we could go home. Wow, God, convict my heart. Have I despised my neighbor? Are we despising our neighbors? Sometimes our neighbors are our brothers and sisters in church. Sometimes our neighbors are those in your neighborhood. Sometimes our neighbors are our family. He is a sinner, but blessed is he who is generous to the poor. Blessed is he who is generous to the poor. And the poor is not necessarily just someone that's homeless. Maybe they are poor in health at that time. Maybe they are poor in, in encouragement. There's someone going through a hard time. They just are down. They are poor. Blessed is someone who is generous to them in encouragement, in love, in support. God says blessed are they, which is happy, which is provided for. It says this in chapter 19. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord. Jesus isn't the first person that said, when you give a cup of water, you've given it to me. Back in Proverbs, he said, whoever is generous to the poor, you're lending to me. You're giving me. You know, of all the, some people you don't want to lend to. I may never see my money. I might as well just give it to you, right? God is not one that you have to worry about getting paid back. When you lend to the Lord, it is a safe loan. When you lend to the Lord, you will get paid back with interest. So God says when you are generous to the poor, you will get paid back with interest. When we begin to have a generous heart, God is the one who will take care of us. It says he will repay him for his deed. We see in chapter 14, here's the opposite. Look at it. It says, Whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker. When we oppress someone, and that oppression can be in other ways, have we ever just dismissed someone, ignored someone, talked about them behind their back, been critical of someone? That is oppression. It says when you do that, you're insulting their maker. When we treat people like that, even just out of not malice but just out of ignorance we are insulting our god now how do you think god will react to that 
because they are made in the image of God. So when we begin to live that way, we need to understand that, that it is affecting God. But he who is generous to the needy honors him. So when we begin to open up our hearts to others, we honor God because we are not doing it to them, we are doing it to God. Again, it says in Proverbs 21, whoever closes his ear to the cry of the poor will himself call out and not be answered. If for any other reason, here it is, if we don't listen to the cry of people around us, it says that God will not listen to your cry. Of all things, I want God to hear my cry because there's gonna be time when I've cried out to God. And if I want God to hear me, I need to be actively be generous with an open ear. Here's what we need to be generous. Are we generous with our ears? Are we hearing people around us? Many of us, we just don't even hear people around us. We live in a world of injustice. I mean, to the point to where everyone cries injustice at everything you do. If you do this, oh, you're injustice. If you do this, oh, you've oppressed. But we need to have open ears. Instead of being critical of everyone that claims that, you know what? God will decide. We just need to begin to not close our ears. And it's easy to become cynical in this world because we've heard it so often. But I want to encourage you, will you begin to let God do the sifting out and you just be generous? When we just open our ears to the cry of others, God will hear our cries. So we are generous to those in need. But here's the other thing. We must be generous to the offenders in our relationships. Now, our offender is not necessarily an enemy. That's why I didn't put enemy because sometimes the people who offend us are not enemies. Sometimes the people who offend us are our family. Maybe sometimes the people who offend us are our brothers and sisters in the church, which is why I have people leave church because that person offended me. You don't believe what that person said at church to me. And yet God calls us to be generous even with people that offend us. Because even in the time of offense, they are still a person that God has put in our life as the image of God. Proverbs 19, verse 11 says this, good sense makes one slow to anger. And look at this, it is his glory to overlook an offense. When we are generous in forgiveness, it is our glory. Can you overlook when someone offends you? Oh man, that is lacking in this world today. People just are looking for some way that we offend one another, right? We're haters, we're bigots, we're whatever phobes, right? You're... you're as soon as you say something against someone, you're, a, you're a, a, a hater of them. And yet God says, blessed are people who can overlook offenses because offenses are gonna come and people don't always mean to offend you. So when you are generous with forgiveness, when you are just generous with being slow to anger, in fact, it doesn't even bother me. I'm just not gonna let that bother me. It says, it is your glory. God makes you glorious you begin to shine with the glory of God when you begin to become generous in grace. That's what it is. Generous in grace to those that offend you, purposefully or non-purposefully. Let's be generous in grace. 
and just begin to get this, this, this you know, uh, sensitive skin off of us and begin to, to, to toughen up a little bit and not worry about everything. It becomes a glory to us. It becomes something that draws people to us. It becomes a blessing that God honors us when we do that. And the final one, if we haven't covered it, we'll cover it this one. Be generous to everyone. Be generous to everyone. Have you got the point? We are called to be generous to whoever. It says in Proverbs chapter 11, it doesn't put any classification. It just says a man who is kind benefits himself, but a cruel man hurts himself. It doesn't say who you're kind to. It doesn't say being kind to the poor. It just says a, a man who is kind to everyone. Are we generous in kindness, generous in caring, generous in, in giving people attention? We're not just not always in a hurry. We're just not always busy. We're willing to be generous. You become someone who benefit yourself. Here's that life hack. You want to have an easier life? Be kind. You will benefit yourself. You will begin to find the glory of the Lord. But when we are cruel, and that cruelty sometimes just means holding back what other people deserve, you're actually hurting yourself. You think, man, I don't have time. I got to make this. I got to do this for myself. You know what? You're not gaining anything. You're actually hurting yourself. Because God knows there's, there's consequences down the road that, that you making that appointment sometimes is not always the best thing. Um, uh, we need to begin to say, God, how can I be generous? First of all, to you. Because many times God is the one that we despise. Many times God is the one we put on the back burner because I've got another appointment. I've got something else that's better. You know what you're doing? You're hurting yourself because you're being cruel to a God that you don't have time for. Let's be generous. I want to close with this, and this is probably the most important thing. How do we become generous? See, it's one thing to just tell you, but God doesn't want people that just do it out of obligation because there are people that you might say are the most generous people, and God says, I don't know you. Because if it just comes out of our own, we've just had a habit of doing it, and we just do it for ourselves, then that means nothing. The heart means everything. Why you are generous, where it comes from, makes a difference. And generosity comes through two things. And these are the two things that I want us to hear today. I don't want to give you a list of, okay, I'm going to be generous here. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. God doesn't want you to have a list of do's and don'ts and I'm gonna, every day I'm going to do this. You know what he wants to do? He wants to change your heart. Because if you just have a heart change, the generosity will come. It comes first of all, through gratitude. He doesn't want any generosity because you, do, you need to do it. He wants generosity that comes from a heart that is so thankful for what has been given me that how can I not give to others? We need to just have that heart. I don't even, don't even think about the generosity. We just need to begin to understand that I have received so much. How can I not be grateful for what God has done for me that I cannot give other people? In fact, I'm driven to give other people because God has blessed me so much. I have been blessed so that I can bless others. It is not about me. It is about others. And this is why God has, has given me this opportunity in the Old Testament, he told the Israelites, 
He said, you shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you just as if they are native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. Why? For you were strangers in the land of Egypt, and I am your God. He said, you need to remember that you were a stranger in Egypt, and I, your God, brought you out. I loved you. I heard your cry. Remember, he told Moses, I hear the crying of my people, and I'm going to bring them out. He says, therefore, you need to hear the strangers in your land. You need to hear a foreigner who, who is coming to you. And so for us, that's anyone, a stranger, someone that we don't know, anyone that we have. You need to treat them with care and respect and honor because there was a time when you were in need. There was a time when we were a stranger from God and God brought us in. And is there a gratitude that, that flows out of that? Jesus, he said this, he told his disciples, go and heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Why did he tell to go out and touch people that were in need? Because he said, I've touched you when you were possessed by demons. When you were sick, I healed you. When you um, were, were outcast as a leper, and no one would come near you, I came near you. So therefore, freely you received, freely give. Do we have the gratitude of realizing that God has given me so much freely? I didn't deserve it. I didn't pay for it. How can I not give other people? Why am I holding back on other people? Why am I holding back on the Lord when God has done this for me? I think we need, really need to question our gratitude because we have a lot to be thankful for especially here in America. I mean, we talk to Christians in other places. I've walked with Christians in other places and it just humbles me because we are arrogant and stuck up Christians. We don't realize how blessed we are. The psalmist, David, he writes this in Psalms 80. He says, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? human beings that you care for them who do we think we are that god has loved us do you think we deserved it we didn't paul in first corinthians says this do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of god do not be deceived neither sexually immoral nor idolaters nor adulterers nor men who have sex with other men nor thieves nor the greedy nor drunkards nor slanderers nor swindlers. Now, he starts with the big sins, but you notice he went down to what we all are. So don't say, oh, well, I'm not that. Oh, well, I think we've swindled some people. That just means not being fair to them. We've been slanderers. We've said some things. He puts you in the same boat as the adulterers and the sexually immoral. He says, don't you understand that they will not inherit the kingdom of God? But look at this. But yet that is what some of you were. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the spirit of our God. Do you realize what you've been brought out of? We need to stop thinking of ourselves as some, I'm just all that. You're not. You're one of those crowds. And God in his grace has forgiven you. How can you not be generous in all these areas to people around you? We need to be broken if you truly understand it, there should be so much gratitude in our heart that God forgive me that I'm not being generous to others. So there is gratitude that drives us to generosity. 
Here's the second thing. It's not just gratitude, it's compassion. God says, even if I had never done anything for you, you need to understand compassion. You need to be generous because they are worth it. Everyone that you are generous to deserves it. They are precious in the sight of God. And all we have to do is show one verse, and we know this verse, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave. You see, generosity from God didn't come out of gratitude. How many know that God didn't say, thank you, people. You've been so nice to me. Man, you just worship me. No. You know what it came out of? It's a good thing I love you. (laughs) That I'm going to give. And I'm going to be so generous to you, I'm going to give my only son. And he's going to die That's how much I loved you. So it is the compassion of God that brings the generosity of God. And it is the compassion of our hearts that should touch others. Jesus showed it. It said that Jesus, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Do we see people with the eyes of Jesus Are we moved when we see people around us that are hurting? Are we moved to generosity? Isaiah says, if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desires of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom will be as midday. Do we have a heart of compassion Do we see people as this is a creation of God? This is someone that God died for. Do we have compassion for the church? This is the church that God is building. How can I not be generous to the church? How can I not give every effort to build his church? Because it is the image of God. How can I not have compassion to those around me? That boss at work who's a jerk, who just doesn't get it. That coach He doesn't know what he's doing. I know more about the sport than he does, and why should I do what he's... We need to stop thinking that way and just begin to be hearts of compassion and respect and honor that this, no matter who it is, that I am going to be generous because everyone around me is an image of God that God loves, and there is a compassion in my heart that is going to cause me to be generous. So as we are generous with our time and our talents and our treasures, as we are generous to the Lord, as we are generous to the, the, the needy, as we're generous even to those who offend us, as we're generous to everyone around us, it all comes from a heart that is filled with gratitude and it is filled with compassion. A heart that realizes that I didn't deserve it, but I see you as someone who does. When you begin to see the worth of others and the, the unworth of ourself and the mercy that we have received, that I am going to be a person of generosity, of a generous heart more than anything else. And I'm going to tell you, when you live your life in generosity, it may cost some. It's going to cost some time. It's going to cost some inconveniences. But here's what you purchase with that cost. God said you purchase honor. You purchase glory. You purchase 
God's favor in your life. And I'm going to tell you, I don't think you can pay enough for those three things. That as we are generous, we are going to receive back more than we could ever imagine. So you talk about making life better and life easier. This is the biggest life hack you can do. Let me, out of gratitude and compassion, become generous to all that God has given me. Let's bow our hearts.